Hello and welcome back to the West Photo Podcast, produced from the West Photo Office in the University of Westminster School of Arts. My name is Luke Harlock, and like last episode, this recording was made during the Paris Photo Weekend in November of 2018. This episode I spoke to Brussels-based artist Max Pinkers. Max's work explores visual strategies within documentary photography. He is a researcher and lecturer at the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Ghent. Max talks on his approach to photo documentary practice, his project Red Ink set in North Korea, self-publishing and the way in which he uses visual strategies to represent his subjects. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Max Pinkers here at Polycopies in Paris and first of all I'd just like to ask you to kind of outline your practice and sort of how you came upon your way in photography and how you deal with creating work and initiating projects. Yeah so I think one of the main things that I've been thinking about or trying to uh, understand and what's kind of motivating me to to continue doing what I do is um, the kind of looking at the documentary approach in photography, how to deal with the documentary idea or the documentary format and to find to find ways on how to kind of report or talk about reality in, in, a, in a way that uh, embraces a form of complexity um, or uncertainty also or a kind of self-referential way as well. So by you know by saying that I mean that I, I've made many different um, projects up till now that have mostly been in the form of books and every project kind of deals with a different different approach or different relationship to a particular subject and I always try to find different strategies let's say on how to uh, how to make a documentary that at the same time says something about something in the world or something about about reality let's say uh, but also reflects back on the approach or the language that is applied to do that so in this case photography um, and it's it's finding a balance between those two I don't know if you would like me to go in into one particular project or if you would like to focus on something uh, yeah I think Maybe initially on when you when you started and how you got started. Um. Yeah. So one of the so the first the first documentary work that I made was in tw- 2011. I was a student at uh, the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Ghent. I'm still studying there now. I'm doing an artistic PhD there now. But the first documentary work I made it's called Lotus. It was made in uh, 2011 when I was a, a bachelor student. And that work was a collaboration with another photographer, Quentin de Brun, so we made it together. And it, it talks about uh, transgenders in Thailand, uh, that's the subject of the documentary. But what Quentin and I really wanted to kind of uh, think about was how aesthetics are applied to, to a particular... Uh, in, in, in a documentary or photojournalistic context, why, why the photographer always has the kind of need to make beautiful images or aesthetify what, whatever is being photographed and what relevance that has in the reporting on reality. So that's really where my, 
kind of workflow developed or started because that's where Quentin and I kind of started using this um, this aesthetic of flashlights and uh, making scenes look very theatrical or staged whereas at the same time you're never quite sure about that manipulation because a lot of the pictures also look very spontaneous and very real so that's where that kind of uh, where that way of working came to be and the, the, the subject of the transgenders um, also fit very well with that approach because they also kind of you know completely transform themselves from a man into a woman and they're very proud and very eccentric about it so it's they also have something very theatrical in themselves so that reflected how, how we looked at the medium or the, the, the documentary approach um, and from there on basically I kind of continued thinking about different things like aesthetics um, like uh, what happens when you kind of start using metaphorical or poetic imagery in a, in a documentary or what happens when you combine many different subjects in one body of work like I did with Margins of Excess for example. Now the latest project is, um, is, is quite a more straightforward one where I went to North Korea on assignment for uh, the New Yorker magazine and that really looks at how censorship can can affect uh, how you can report on something so by making the censorship clear in itself you're also kind of revealing that we're not seeing anything that we should be seeing which is again another strategy so every every work uh, attempts to um, to tackle a problem let's say um, you want to talk a bit about speculative documentary I saw an interview you mentioned um, you've got a research group around that idea I just wonder if you want to outline that idea tell me a bit about it mm. so yeah the, the the term speculative documentary something has been around for a while um, but in the context of my my research at the Academy it's practice-based, so it's still you know you're doing your you're you're making your personal work and so on. But one of the very nice things about uh, being there is that you meet other researchers, uh, and we've started something at the academy called the School of Speculative Documentary, um, which actually grew out of um, myself together with uh, a couple of other researchers who are all uh, working in this field of documentary, but. Um, in, in from many different disciplines. So we have uh, Thomas Belling, for example, who's a documentary theater maker. We've got Anne van Dinderen, who's a documentary filmmaker. Michiel de Kleene, who's a documentary photographer. Um, and myself. And the interesting thing about it is that we try to look at um, documentary as a kind of a transmedia uh, inter interdisciplinary space rather than attached to one particular medium or language. Um, and it's nice to look at documentary as a as a thing in itself. Um, so instead of you know having having different departments in the school, for example, it could be interesting to have a school that deals with documentary but combines many different disciplines or or viewpoints. Um, and the term speculative documentary kind of really what we mean by that is that. Um, that reality or reporting on reality is never, um, you know, on the contrary to the classic documentary, which is very authoritative, which is very much taking a position of the absolute truth claim. Um, 
or, or another term we like to use is, is the kind of taxidermic documentary where you um, uh, present something uh, in a kind of uh, museum-like authoritative but then again very empty uh, kind of uh, colonial sense. Um, but this, the, the idea of the speculative comes from that we can never really understand reality and that it's full of, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to, 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 to grasp it, um, it's always full of holes, it's full of blind spots, it's full of things that are missing that we're not seeing and so on. Uh, and we can, only, we can only speculate about it, we can only discuss about it, we can only imagine uh, what it may be like and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to actually embrace the fact that it's impossible to really uh, claim any form of uh, absolute truth, um, and that's that's kind of what we've been thinking about. And this is we're doing a symposium in Brussels um, in February, where we invite different documentary artists and makers to um, uh, to come together and think about um, think about these things. So that's. And how do you think um, this speculative documentary approach? Um, how do you think the medium of a, of a book fits into that? Because uh, I mean, traditionally books are quite authoritative. Generally, um, people trust print and things like that. Do you do you play with that idea? With and one of the things is a book's quite fi a final destination for a work. Can it also encourage further discussion once you've kind of put down your ideas in the book, or do you do you play with the format to allow people to sort of carry on thinking once you've said your say in the book? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, indeed. I think one of the most important things about a book is that it's kind of final once it's been produced, so that it doesn't really change. Uh, anymore after that, on the contrary to an exhibition, for example, or a work that's kind of continuous. Um, but then again, a book, I mean, a photo book then especially also kind of raises more questions than, than it gives answers, right? So it's still a very open-ended kind, of, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and there's always going to be some kind of level of interpretation or um, ambiguity or it's going to be read in many, many different ways, and I think the more, for me, the more the more interesting books are the, the ones that that are um, that are complex and that you can go back to and discover new things and get, give many different readings, um, and that uh, yeah, that really allow for you know when you read a book maybe today it's going to be a completely different interpretation that you give to it than you would have maybe. You know, five years ago or, or ten years from now, you go back to it, and it might mean something totally different in the current uh, time that you know you're reading it in. So, I don't know if I would call the book in itself a kind of. I, I find it interesting they call it a kind of authority because of the print value and so on. That's that's true. Um, but for me, producing producing a book in print. Um, also has to do with the idea that you're making an object, um, that it's really can be seen as a work, uh, an artwork in itself, that it's there. Uh, I mean, you know, there's so many different formats of bringing your work out there, and a book is just one of them. Um, but I think a very, uh, for me, it's one of the more more interesting forms to work with. Yeah.
I hope that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk a bit more about the kind of form that Red Ink took in sort of how you decided to display it in such a way. It's got kind of um, rubberized cover with a sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to explain about the process of making that. And, um, mm. Yeah, that was actually a very fun book to make because um, because it's quite straightforward. Uh, all the images have the same um, hierarchy in the book, so they're all kind of placed in the same way on the page. Um, there are no images that are more important than others. I mean, in 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 contrast to margins of excess, for example, that weaves together a lot of texts and stories and found material, and there's lots of different. Um, layers and levels in, in that book. In, uh, in Red Ink it's actually very, um, very direct um, and that's also because the, uh, the kind of uh, idea behind it is, is, is quite simple. It's, it's showing a very um, pretty glorified propagandistic version of North Korea that's trying to make it look as good and as, uh, as beautiful as possible. Um, and that's also how I was photographing it there. I mean, I could photograph, uh, I could take a picture of a chair um, and I could take a picture of, you know, a soldier on the, on the border with South Korea at the DMZ, but for me they have the same value uh, because one is not necessarily revealing anything more than the other. Uh, they're all equally censored, they're all equally um, formal and aesthetic and um, the, actually, the more that I was photographing banalities, um, the more interesting it became for me because that that pointed out uh, that makes that makes it stronger that it's being you know that I'm not really showing you anything here. It's just all very uh, yeah very formal. Um, and then when putting the book together, it was a very fun sequencing game especially because uh, because this is one of the rare times that I could play for example with color combinations which I usually never do because uh, I'm always thinking about the the meaning behind the images that you combine and finding uh, finding the right uh, combinations on a kind of conceptual level but in this case I could for example make a sequence where pink comes back three times and that's the only formal aspect connecting the pictures um, and then, yeah, the, the the choice for the for the plasticky cover uh, and that it's a small format book and the kind of glossy paper, all uh, contribute to this um, giving it this feeling of something light, humorous, uh, positive, um, kind of all over the top, uh, over the top markers to, to make to to try and make it clear that this is a kind of uh, yeah almost fantastical version of a place. I've just got a question on um, polycopies itself. I was wondering if you've seen anything you particularly liked or anything that stood out much to you, uh, if you've had a chance to look around yet. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't had a chance to really go, go at the tables and have a look, um, have a look around properly. Um, but here and there, there's a couple of books. I mean, there's so many books here that are so beautifully produced in terms of printing, in terms of design, in terms of how meticulous things have been put together um, yeah there's so much to discover but unfortunately very little time for somebody that's sitting at a table themselves and has to deal with um, uh, with their own thing but um, you, you self-publish all your work yeah. Was, yeah, what was your thoughts through that decision um, 
Well, I've never really been approached by a publisher until not so long ago. Um, and I just continued kind of publishing books by my own because I, I, it worked, you know. I, I had the ability, I was lucky that I could do that and that it kind of, uh, yeah, that it sustained itself. Um, and I didn't have the need to, to approach publishers myself either. I thought, you know, if I can make it work like this, I'm happy. And um, then I did started sending my work around, but, you know, I kept kind of impatient and then I want to continue and... Uh, uh, not all the proposals were as interesting, um, so yeah, it's it's kind of grown into becoming an important part of my art, artistic practice as well. The whole, you know, everything that goes into self-publishing the books and and presenting them and making them and having everything you know done uh, done directly by us. It's it's nice. I really enjoy it. Um, but that doesn't mean that's maybe a message that might be might be projected that I refuse to work with publishers or don't want to do that but that's not true I mean I'm very I'm very open for for publishers to uh, you know to work with them it's just it just hasn't happened so far uh, but I'm I mean I, I hope I will get a chance at one at one point to do that uh, maybe it has to be the right kind of work or the right timing or you don't work completely on your own with the design and sequencing and things. It's often a collaboration, I understand. Yeah, so the design of the books is uh, always a collaboration with the designer. Uh, the last two books have been made with uh, Rudy Latoire, uh, which was a wonderful collaboration. He's actually sitting at the table downstairs as well. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the, I mean, the most important partner in, in all this is my wife, Victoria. Um, we, we, make, we go and make the work together uh, and we, we work together all the way down to distributing the books and, you know, um, the whole practical side of it. Uh, she, uh, she's an incredibly important uh, factor in that. Thank you very much to Max Pinkers for speaking on the podcast this episode. You can find all our episodes with links to our guests' websites online via iTunes. Just search for the West Photo Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening.